A couple of years ago, I shared with you um, about my first experience driving through a roundabout. It was in Glens Falls, New York. We went out for Zach and Hannah's wedding, and um, it was a great time. It really was. It was one of the, you know, some weddings, I, I remember, well, pretty much all the weddings, uh, and, you know, you think, oh, this one's fun, and then you go to another, oh, this one's fun, and this is that. And, um, I really, their wedding was in a, it was an older church. Um, it reminded me of a high church type of setup uh, in there. Uh, and the reception was out. Was that a campground that, that was at? Uh, it was outside, and it was pretty cool. It was, it was a lot of fun. But anyway, uh, this roundabout was right down. This, it was between the hotel we were at and the church, and they had five roads coming into it. And, um, you know, it was, it, when I think of it, you know, then it gives me a little bit more patience um, for people with roundabouts here who aren't familiar with them. Uh, but, you know, as, as I was going through it, um, the GPS told me to take the first right after entering the roundabout. And, t- and I realize now technically it was correct. But for the guy who's never, you know, for a first time roundabouter, it was, uh, it was a little confusing. And I missed the where I was supposed to turn. Well, then the GPS went into this cycle of, you know, recalculating and, and refiguring things. And every once in a while it would say turn, but I was already past that road. So after my third time around the roundabout, I thought we need to get off of this thing. And I exited and I chose poorly. And we were heading off in the wrong direction, but we were making good time. And the... Uh, it was, it was, fortunately, it was our practice run to get to the church. You know, I, uh, I, I have started. One time I uh, was, I had to do a wedding. It was when we were in Chicago, and it was at a forest preserve. Now, in Chicago, they have forest preserves because otherwise they cut everything down, you know, and you have nothing. Uh, so it was at this one forest preserve, which I thought was, you know, a certain distance from, uh, the, the, our home, and it, it turns out I was wrong. Forty-five minutes wrong. Um, you know, I, I was supposed to get there a little early so they could we, we could set a few things up because we weren't able to do the rehearsal there. So you know, to set a few things up, and so I was late enough to the point where they had asked some other guy, uh, and you know, who has was a retired pastor who was attending the wedding, if he could do this wedding. You know, and since then I always thought, well, it's a good idea to see where we're going first. You know, so that was just our practice run, you know, to get to the, the church for Zach and Hannah's wedding and the rehearsal, and we were able to make it on time, you know, because I knew then what they meant by take the first right. And it, what, what it really meant was take the first right. Uh, you know, and uh, I didn't really feel like I entered the roundabout. I just was making this real sharp right-hand turn, uh, you know. And so, anyway, as we all know, it was the GPS's fault. Uh, yep. We don't always get to do a test run in life, though, do we? Uh, that, that doesn't always happen. But we do all have those times in which we feel like we're just kind of running around in circles, not, which, not sure which way to go, not sure which way, you know, what, what choice to make. And uh, we don't want to choose poorly. We'd rather choose wisely. 
Today we're going to look at the book of Second John, and we're going to, I hope that you'll, you'll get some thoughts, at least I did, on choosing wisely. Let's pray first, and then we'll turn to that passage. Father, thank you for your direction to us. And man, I just, uh, those times in which I have uh, blown past what you, um, what you were pointing to, what you were showing me. And, but I thank you that you're a God who not only redirects us, you redeem, um, you redeem what, what goes on in our life when it says that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I have seen that happen over and over and over again in my life. And I say thank you so much for that. Uh, but I don't want to. I don't want to have to uh, use the use the uh, goofy choices I make. I would prefer to choose wisely to begin with. So, uh, thank you for your guidance from your word. I pray that we might learn something today that will help us help us to choose wisely, to choose your way, to choose what you would have for us in all things. We pray. So guide us in our time. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. Second John, we're not talking about John chapter 2, we're talking about the book of Second John, not the second chapter of the Gospel of John. So it's all the way, if you have a hard time finding it, go to Revelation and just start backing up a little bit and you're going to get to Second John. Uh, it's on page 1123 in the Pew Bible. Uh, this is written to warn them about the same strain of false teaching that First John was written for. Uh, it seems as you read through the book that it does not assume that they have a knowledge of what he wrote uh, in the material that's there in First John. And it was written, it seems it was written about the same time. Some feel that perhaps this was a, a cover letter. Uh, when, I, when I was reading that, I thought, is that a new thing or is that, you know, I don't know. Uh, so some feel that, you know, it was written kind of as an introduction to uh, the, the uh, letter of First John, that it went along with whoever was was delivering that uh, you know there's a lot of different opinions there it's the shortest uh, second shortest book in the Bible I believe that third John is uh, a, a little bit shorter uh, in length we're going to cover third John I hope next week because I hope to get through all of second John this week living you know living in truth it's a common theme through first second and third John uh, there so follow along we're going to begin verse one it says the elder uh, to the elect lady and her children, I love all of you in the truth, and not only I, but also all who have come to know the truth, uh, because of the truth that remains in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, uh, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. Now, we're going to pause there a minute. Don't, don't close your Bible or, you know, your whatever you're doing it on. Uh, we're going to pick up again in a minute, but I want to look at, at these verses a little bit. It was a very common style for them to write, uh, in a sense, what we, what we see as the signature at the beginning. You know, this is who the letter's from. That's how, that's often how their letters start. You know, you'll see it as you read through Paul's letter. It says Paul, an apostle, you know, and, and those things. Well, here it, it says, you know, the elder. He simply identifies himself as the elder. Now, it's widely agreed upon that, uh, this here, that it's speaking about the apostle John, uh, which is why it has called, the book is called Second John. Uh, he was both a spiritual father to these people, and he was, he was also an elderly at this point. 
this is getting this is near the end of his life when he wrote this and he was uh, he was you know that spiritual father to them but also he was a, a leader in the in the broader church he was a leader you know in more than just this local uh, congregation here and notice it says he addresses the elect lady and her children now possibly that's a local church some feel that maybe this was written to a christian lady and her family or possibly the church that was meeting uh, in her home uh, you know or to the church in general it, it simply refers to the church here some feel as elect lady now if you glance at some of the verses yet to come just just real quick look at verse 5 and you know when i look at verse 5 and he says so now i urge you lady that that, that kind of makes me lean a little bit toward the fact that maybe it was written to an individual but then if you look at verse 13 the the closing uh, book it says you know the children of your elect sister uh, send you greetings that makes me lean a little bit more toward the fact that it was uh, written uh, to a church now no other church you know is referred to in scripture as a elect lady here you know you know but um John does refer, he does refer to the people. If you recall, as we were going through the book of 1 John, he refers to the people in the church often as children, his children, dear children. Uh, and uh, there's no personal greeting, there's no personal words in, in the whole letter like he did to some others. Or even, as he, even in 1 Timothy, as he wrote to Timothy, you know, he, he throws in a couple of personal things. Uh, you know, they're telling him how he can better take care of his health and things like that. There are no personal greetings in here at all. It seems to me the best conclusion is that uh, John's addressing, you know, he, he was not addressing a particular church, uh, or excuse me, a, a particular person, but he's writing to a church knowing that this would be shared more broadly. You know, now, and so as he's doing it, one thing's clear that whether it's uh, the elect lady was an individual or a church, he is addressing a group rather than an individual. And as he is addressing a group, it applies very broadly, which means it also applies to, to all of God's people, which includes us. So what he has written here is also to us as much as to whomever it turns out, you know, that he specifically was writing this letter to. In verse 1, again, he refers to them as children, something he used repeatedly in the first letter, a term of endearment. But it shows a genuine concern, a genuine connection, you know, that he cared about them, uh, you know, that, 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 he, he, that he meant, they meant something to him. There was some type of a relationship, some type of a connection there that he cared. It mattered to him. It mattered to him what's going on in their life. You know, and he emphasizes the, the truth here. In fact, that, that word appears five times in the first four verses. You know, he talks about the truth. And, and uh, you know, he, his desire is that they would embrace the truth. God's desire is that we would embrace the truth. That's what God wants for us. God wants for us to embrace the truth. So when we're thinking of, of making choices and choosing, you know, and choosing wisely, you, you, you choose the truth there. Now, it's not just the mental knowledge, what he's talking about here. What he's talking about, it's an effectual knowledge, meaning one that produces a change in life. You embrace the truth that it, that it expresses a change in life. 
You know, if you got up expecting a sunny day today because you didn't care what the weatherman said, you know, you were just going to, that doesn't matter. You know, it's, uh, you have to embrace, you know, you embrace the truth and the reality of what's happening. That's what he's saying, that what you see, what you see in God's word, that reality as you're embracing the truth, it, it, it results in a changed, in changed living that it affects your living there. Now, he also emphasizes love. It mentions that four times in the first six verses. Now, we're going to pick up with the theme of love in a minute here when we get down a little bit more. But, you know, the, you know look, look at verse 2, you know, regarding that emphasis on truth. He writes, you know, that he tells us that this truth remains forever there. As opposed to man's so-called wisdom, man's so-called truth, which is temporary and ever-changing. I mean, think about it. It doesn't, it doesn't take long, and it's not because I'm older than some of you. But just think back, you know, think, think back even five years ago and, and some of the things that were popular as being right and being true and, you know, and man's truth. And even when it's researched sometimes, uh, you know, man's truth changes. I remember when Ginny and I were first married and, um, you know, we, and Marcy was born and I had a subscription to Time magazine at, at at the time, I had a, a subscription. To, well, some of the cover stories then were how we were heading into a new ice age. Some of you might remember that. We were heading into a new ice age. And I'm reading these articles and I thought, how am I going to take care of my family? Winter's okay, but winter is okay because spring and summer are coming. You know, that's the whole deal. You know, I'd much rather, I'd much rather be hot than cold. You know, I mean, I'd much rather be warm. I'd rather be comfortable. But, uh, you know, the the, the whole, and I remember reading this and and reading these articles and thinking, and it was, it was, you know, for quite a while, they were talking about this, you know, this coming ice age and everything. And what are we doing now? Well, you had goofballs. It's, you know, global warming and, uh, and, and we're all going to burn up. Yeah, there's more truth to that than they think. But at any rate, that's another sermon. Uh, you know, the, the whole idea here, you know, the, the point is, you know, that man's so-called wisdom, it's temporary and it's changing. It's always changing. You know, and he says here, you know, in verse 2, that it remains in us. Now, certainly this could be a reference to the, you know, to the, to the abiding presence of Christ in us. He spells that out more in First John. Uh, he spells that out more in his gospel. You know, that, that, you know, about God, about, you know, his presence dwelling in us and he's going to be within us, you know, through the spirit. Uh, look at, you know, look at verse three there. He says, grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God, the father and from Jesus Christ, the son of the father in truth and love. Grace, mercy, and peace. Grace, mercy, and peace are a byproduct there of truth and love. Truth and love is what he's emphasizing here. And not only the very beginning, it's a short letter, 13 verses, you know, and he, he makes a point of emphasizing those and he's telling us here grace mercy and peace they're a byproduct of living in truth and love they're a byproduct of embracing the, uh, of choosing wisely of choosing what's in line with truth and love and grace mercy and, and peace come there grace that undeserved kindness of god you know that, that he reaches out and, and gives toward us he gives you know that grace he, he he reaches out to us you know in that undeserved kindness to those of us who deserve punishment there's the part we sometimes forget. 
It's to those of us who deserve punishment. We, we don't deserve the, the good that he's given us. We don't deserve the salvation. It's, a, it, it's part of his, the working of his grace. And it says, and mercy. Mercy, there's that withholding of the punishment that's deserved, that, that, that is deserved, you know, that just punishment for our sin. Uh, and, and he says, and peace, a, a personal sense of well-being, you know, despite the circumstances, despite the situation, that sense of peace that's derived from a relationship which now exists with God due to what Christ has done for us. I love one of my favorite, one of my, that should have been up to me before. Uh, One of my favorite verses, uh, Romans chapter 5, you know, he says, therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God. It's we have peace with God. What? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not something that we're waiting for. It's not something that that isn't finished yet. Okay, so yesterday, um, Marcy and, and Mandy and Ginny, you know, we're all together. Jess is out of town. Um, they're up with uh, with her family right now. But um, you know, they were they were together, and I. I thought, well, you know, today the schedules are a little jumbled and we weren't supposed to be together. looks like we might be now, but at any rate. Uh, so what I did is I brought out the, I, the gift. I was making them, I'm making them um, a, a, a cutting board, you know, big deal. But, um, you know, it is them because I'm, I'm making it. And, um, but they're not done yet. And they're not going to be done today. Uh, you know, so um, I brought it out and I showed him. I said, this is what I'm working on for you. And this is what I'm making. But it's not done yet. You'll get it later. That isn't what he says here. What he says here is that we have peace with God. We have it now. It's not something that God, that God is waiting to, that, waiting to finish. That, you know, uh, I didn't plan well enough and so it's not ready yet. That's not what it is at all. He says we have it. Why? Through Jesus Christ, what he has done. You know, when Jesus says that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. You know, this is what he's talking about. That relationship we have with Christ because we come to God. Am I talking too fast? Because we come to God through, through Christ, you know, and, and we have that, we, we have that relationship with him. When Jesus said, you know, that, that, uh, you know, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, and I am going to prepare that place for you. You, you've heard me tell you this before, but you need to remember, it's not that he's up there, you know, zuba, zuba, with the saw, you know, trying to, you know, get things going and get things ready. And well, I, I hate to point out a person, I was going to say Kelvin, but if you die today, I'm going to feel bad about this. So don't die, please. You know, Kelvin, your place is ready. Let's go. That's not what it is. What he said there is my going, prepare that place. It's done. It's ready. You should be ready. You know, there is a point. There is this point. That's what he says. So when he says here that we have peace with God, right now we have peace with God. That enmity between us and God is removed. It's taken away. You know, the, the peace replaces that hostility. Enmity is hostility. That, that hostility, you know, between us and God due to sin. All the way back in Genesis, he says... I will put hostility between. This is right after the sin in the garden. This is where sin came in and sin entered into God's perfect creation. I will put hostility between you and the woman, between your seed and and her seed. You know, he'll strike your head and you will strike his heel. They will put that hostility there. Romans chapter 8. It says, for the mind set on the flesh is hostile to God. 
because it does not submit itself to God's law, for it is unable to do so. That hostile, I love the way Paul puts it in his letter to the Ephesians. Uh, and he, he, that working of God to bring us peace. You know, and it just unfolds a little bit. Look at what he says. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, uh, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of the Messiah. For he is our peace. Who made both groups and tore down, tore down that dividing wall of hostility. He tore down that wall of hostility. He says, it's gone, it's torn down. He goes on. He says, uh, you know, he, in his flesh, he made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations so that he might create in himself one new man from the two, resulting in peace. We went from hostility to peace here, he says. You know, that we had that hostility that was, that was there, and now we have gone into peace with him. He says he did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross and Put the hostility to death by it. Put that hostility to death by the cross. He did this, this one thing, that hostility was taken care of, and he put it to death, you know, by by that cross. When the Messiah came, he proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to you who were near. Look again at verse 3 there in 2 John. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father. And from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. He doesn't say that it may be with us. He says it will, will be with us. The reality, a sure thing. Not a game of chance. Not a, well, you know, quite good enough. Not, that's not what he's talking about at all. What he's talking about is the reality of what is ours in Christ. Pick up with me, verse 4, Second John, verse 4. I was very glad to find some of your children walking in the truth, in keeping with the command uh, that we have received from the Father. So now I urge you, dear lady, not as if I were writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commands. This is the command, as you have heard it from the beginning, you must walk in love. You know, walking in truth, he tells us right here, you know, that walking in truth is living in line with, is keeping the call of God places on our lives to live out our relationship to him. He has called us to live out that relationship to him. It's not just that, you know, you have this relationship and then you go on and do your own thing. I mean, how foolish. Scripture often talks about the relationship of of Christ and the, ch- and the church as that of marriage and husband. You don't get married and go off and do your own thing. And if you are, you're messing up. You know, it, it, it's that that relationship together here. And here's the picture. You know, it's it's keeping that 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 call that God places on us. You know, it's not it's not a this is not a call to keep those commands in order to have a relationship with him. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying that you keep these commands and then you'll have that relationship. What he's saying here is when you have that relationship, it results more in living out those commands. It results more in uh, I've told you before, you know, that this year Kent and Sarah and Ginny and I are all doing the same devotional and we're reading through it and um, and it's been it's, it's been nice, uh, you know, and 
uh, we, we exchange texts, you know, when we read it on, you know, thoughts and insights. Well, today, um, one of the things that was, that was on there was um, when I was talking about, about uh, what's a, what's a, how did they word it? What is a, um, well, that's the wrong one. I almost read you something from my daughter. Um, yeah, it says, you know, that you, you get to this uh, place sometimes where you, where you choose, and he called the, the author called this a why not moment. You know, that when you get to something and you, and you think, you know, well, well, why not? You know, and it's stretching it and pulling you. And I said, two why not times in my life, you know, where you get to a place and you say, you just kind of take that little bit of a jump and you think, well, why not? You know, and. Uh, and two of them come to mind. Uh, one was marrying Ginny, and the other was when I came to Christ. You know, and the change, and, and the change, the difference. You know, the difference that that it makes there. Uh, you know, that, that that whole thing of 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 that changed life and that changed living that comes. Those two why not moments have changed my life. He's saying when we have a relationship with Christ, it changes your life. It changes your living. Notice he says here, some of your children, some of your children are walking in the truth. It seems that some uh, were, and unfortunately the other thing means that it seems some of them felt obedience to God was not that important. What a horrible place to be in. Only some were choosing wisely. Uh, you know, verse 5, he says, So now I urge you, lady, not as if I were writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. Um, it, it, it becomes quickly apparent whether or not we're obeying, you know, whether or not we are obeying his commands. It becomes very quickly apparent by how we choose to live life and how we sometimes choose to interact with each other. How we, you know, how we treat each other is always important. There is not a time, there is not a time where it is unimportant of how we treat each other. How we treat each other is always important. And he says here, you know, that we are to love one another. Love is taking that responsibility, taking responsibility for someone else's well-being. That's what it is. When a husband and wife pledge their love to each other, it's uh, I'm, I'm taking responsibility for your well-being. You know, I hear this talks about this relationship of, of loving one another. Uh, you know, John wrote about it in his, in, you know, in his gospel in his first letter, John chapter 13 of the gospel. It says, "I give you a new command: love one another, just as I have loved you. So you must also love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another." A little bit later, he says, "This is my command: love one another, just as I have loved you." There's the standard. It's not just as they have loved you; it's just as Christ has loved you. It's not that you reciprocate. You know, when, I'll only love you if you love me. That's not what it is. He's saying you love them in the same way that that Christ has loved you again he says this is my command uh, what i command you love one another in his first letter as he wrote he said for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning we should love one another it goes on he says now this is his command that we be, uh, believe in the name of his son jesus christ and love one another as he commanded us a little bit later 
Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Again, dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and his love is perfected in us. Paul also wrote, John wasn't the only one. Paul also wrote about this importance of loving one another, taking responsibility for others, the well-being of others in church. Romans chapter 10, or 12, verse 10, show family of affection to one another with brotherly love outdo one another in showing honor there's there's a challenge for you outdo one another in showing honor romans chapter 13 do not owe anyone anything except to love one another for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law galatians chapter 5 for you were called to be free brothers only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but serve one another through love peter also you know he 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 brought the matter to the attention of those that he wrote to he says you know by obedience to the truth having purified yourself for sincere love of the brothers love one another earnestly from a pure heart uh, he says, above all maintain an intense love for each other since love covers a multitude of sins do you suppose this is an important subject do you just get the picture do you just get the idea that this is something that's important to god it comes up over and over and over again in Scripture, you know, and, and, and sometimes we, just, we let it slide and we shouldn't. You know, the call to love one another, it's not an isolated incident. It should be a dominant trait of God's people. It should be a God, dominant trait of God's children. Those who have a relationship of faith with Christ, those who have a relationship with Christ, this should be, loving one another should be a dominant trait of all of those who have a relationship with Christ, who are his This is what he tells us you know the love for god is shown as we live in obedience to what he's called us to particularly to love one another if you're walking if if, if you are walking in his commands you're walking in truth you know if, if that, that's you cannot have truth without you know w- without love pick up with me verse 7 Many deceivers have gone out into the world. They do not confess the coming of Christ Jesus in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the Antichrist. Watch yourself so that you don't lose what we have worked for, but that you may receive a full reward. Anyone who does not remain in Christ's teaching but goes beyond it does not have God. The one who remains in that teaching, this one has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your home and don't say welcome to him. For the one who says welcome to him shares in his evil works. We're going to pick up the last couple of verses in a minute. But you know, realize, you know, re- realize that those, you know, those who would like to convince you that Jesus is not real, they are deceivers. They are liars and the truth is not in them. They are against Christ. They are, they are anti-Christ, against Christ. They are anyone who says, you know, that, who, who, who denigrates Jesus. Now, he says, be careful. Be careful that you don't give deceivers any ground. Any, any ground of acceptance here. You know, don't allow them to cause doubt in you. Don't allow them, don't allow them to rob you of the joy that God gives you. Don't, you know, don't allow them to, to, to rob you of that joy that comes from a relationship with Christ by causing you to doubt his reality or causing you to doubt his love, causing you to doubt his care, causing you to doubt his commitment. Choose wisely. Choose wisely. Don't, don't do that. You know, they can't take anything away from you that God has made available to you. You know, they don't have that power. 
They don't have the power. Jesus said that no one can snatch them out of the Father's hand. No one can snatch them away from me. They don't have that power. They can't take that, they can't take that away from you. Now, they can, if they get you to choose and to believe and to you know, follow some of what they're saying, you know, they can diminish your joy now by making you doubt Jesus. By making you doubt him, by making him, you doubt his care and his love for you, making him doubt the forgiveness that he has given you, choose wisely, he says. He tells us here that anyone who deviates from, denies, twists the teaching about Jesus, thinking that they have surpassed it. Look how he words that in verse 9. He says, you know, that, 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 that goes beyond it, you know, that goes beyond the teaching of the Bible. Now, remember, as he's writing, he's writing to people who, who were uh, experiencing within, the, within their church, those who said you need to reach a certain level and you need to hit an, attain a certain level and then the knowledge will be open to you. You see, you need to get there, and then this will be open to you. And he's telling them, no, they're going beyond. They're going beyond what God says here. You know, they're twisting it. You know, those, those people, he says, don't have a real relationship with Christ. They don't have a saving relationship with Christ. You know, those who remain committed to, directed by the teaching about Jesus, he says here, you know, that they have the presence of the Father and the Son with them through the Spirit who lives in all those who have a relationship with Christ. John chapter 14, he says, He is the Spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive Him because it doesn't, doesn't see Him or know Him. But you do know Him. Why? Because He remains with you and will be in you. He is with you and will be in you. Now, the gospel at that time, the, the truth about Christ was spread by traveling evangelists. You know, and the people, as these evangelists would travel, the people would take them into their home because, you know, what's-his-name didn't leave the light on yet. You know, there was no Motel 8 or 6 or whatever the number was. And so anyway, you know, they would take them, they would take them into their homes as people were coming by and teaching in the area. Now, John tells them here, you know, to make sure they didn't help propagate false teaching by supporting false teachers through their hospitality. You say, well, not a problem for me oh but is it where where are you sending your money these ministries you know that we see on tv and here on the radio and some of these other things you know they're supported mainly not by the people who sit in front of them they're supported mainly by the people who you know listen on the radio and tv programs and all this and, and send their money in don't help don't help spread false teaching i don't think you should be supporting joyce, Ma- joyce myers or Joel Olstein, or T.D. Jakes, because they twist the truth about Christ. They denigrate the truth of choose wisely, choose wisely. You know, by, by helping heretical teachers, you know what you do. You're help, you're enabling them. You're enabling false teachers and helping them to spread their, their you know their work. And that, that's not right. Don't help those who deny Christ. Don't help those who denigrate Christ. Don't help those who twist the reality of who Jesus is. Or deny him altogether. Certainly deny him all. You know, we're, we're you know we're. I hope, pretty good about, you know, recognizing those who deny Christ altogether, but those who twist that truth. You know, we need to be careful about that. Don't, don't help make false ideas respectable. Don't help them, you know, with your involvement with them. And with those you know, you know, those you see face to face that you spend time with, don't approve sin by your presence there. You know, now, you know, 
you need to choose wisely. Now, I'm not talking about not being with those who don't yet have a relationship with Christ. That's not what I'm saying. Because you know, how else are they going to be saved if we don't? But don't be foolish. Don't be foolish. Sometimes, you know, I, I've heard people say, and, uh, you know, well, you know, I'll go do this and that with them because I need them to know Christ. No, you don't enter, you don't enter into, into sin and sinful things to help someone know Christ. You don't do that. Come on, wake up. Get back to the first part of what he said here. You, you, you live in obedience to his commands. You don't violate those. And you don't give approval. You don't give approval to those who violate those. And it, it, it gets hard when it's in the family. When it's your son or daughter, brother or sister who deny Christ. And choose a lifestyle that is totally against scripture and we say you know uh, uh, hate the sin love the sinner and that's true and you need to make sure that's what you're doing don't help someone sin don't help someone destroy themselves don't pretend like it doesn't matter it does matter you know you, you, you know you don't help someone deny Christ well uh, Pick up verse 12 and 13. We're going to finish this up. Though I have many things to write to you, I don't want to do so with paper and ink. Instead, I hope to be with you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. I like that, you know, that literally says mouth to mouth. What a a great picture. Uh, The children of your elect sister send you greetings. You know, face to face is the best way to communicate with others. It's, it, 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 you know, it's the best way to communicate with others who have a relationship with Christ. God tells us not to abandon the meeting of ourselves, the gathering of ourselves together. You know, now we think back a, a year ago, a year ago we weren't together. We were just getting ready to get together again. I, I, think, I think we did the right thing. If, uh, if that, that's a whole different sermon, but, you know, just very briefly, as you look through the Old Testament, they, did, they quarantined those, you know, those who were who had diseases that they couldn't control yet and they and some were quarantined and they were separated but this is meant to be a temporary thing and and you know that that's what it was for us it was a temporary thing you know in obedience to god we need to meet together we need to be meeting together with others who have a relationship with christ we need to be doing that we have some people who are still only uh, some are some are only able to get together you know and watch this service online but some are choosing to do that but what we need to choose to do is be together this is what he tells us in obedience to god it's important for us to get together a relationship grows grows deeper through physical presence it, it, it can never it can never get it, it, it grows deeper from you know from that physical presence than it will ever get from writing texting you know emailing snapchatting those are those are all impersonal. You want to see how well, many of you know how impersonal they are because that's where people get bold and they say stupid things. Uh, you know, but the, uh, your presence is far more important than you realize. It is far more important than you realize. There's a connection with other children of God. This is what he's telling us. You know, and even in verse 13, you know, I like that. Little children, um, 
that would have been in chapter 1. Uh, the children of your elect sister, uh, you know, send you greetings. You know, that connection be- between those who have a relationship with Christ. You know, choose wisely. Choose wisely. We need to continue to walk in the truth and love one another, as he tells us here. It is not, it is not truth or love. It is truth and love. This is what he's calling us to. Truth and love. Be on guard against false teachers, against the Antichrist. Choose wisely. You know, choose wisely. Walk in that truth. Obey the commands. Love one another. Guard the teachings of Christ. You do those things, you will not be deceived. You will not be deceived if you walk in truth, obey the commands, love one another, and guard the teachings of Christ. You know, ask yourself. You know, before you want to, you're going to make a choice. Ask yourself, is this in line with, is this in line with truth? Is this in line with love? Truth and love is defined by God, not as defined by man. You know, we, we, we've been accused and I've been accused, you know, sometimes of, of not being loving, you know, because you, you tell the, you, you tell the truth. Now you need to, you said, speak the truth in love, you know, and you try to do that in love. Loving does not mean I accept every sin that somebody wants to commit. Because you see, love is not defined by the world. Truth and love are defined by God. So this is what he's talking about here. To walk in the truth, you know, and to love one another, obey those commands, guard the teachings of Christ. You know, is it in line with truth? Is it in line with love as defined by God? Choose wisely. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word to us. Thank you for those who have loved me and spoken the truth to me, sometimes even when I didn't want to hear it. But yet they loved me enough to tell me what it means to have a relationship with you, what it means to have life with you, what it means to, um, to not just practice a religion, but to have a relationship a relationship with the God of the universe, oh my goodness, with the, the creator of all, what an honor, what a privilege, what a responsibility. Help us as people, as individuals to walk in truth, to walk in love. Help us to be yours. Help us to choose wisely, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.